0: Welcome to Death Row. Like we always do about this time. <laughs> I'm gonna fight your fucking ass! You don't got, you're your are playing touch butt with that dork in the park. Ah, uh, there's a little snake in the grass. Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. No, fucking Jesus, people. I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody.
1: Hey, Tosi, are you still there?
0: I'm back. Who the fuck is that
1: guy? Break out the red panties. Well, rich baby. I would like to introduce Welcome to the MMA for Money show episode 36 In this show we will review UFC 249 Touch briefly on some further fights that from Smith and Teixeira we didn't have odds for before And preview UFC 249 Fight night Overeem versus Harris. I am Bob Boss, your favorite garbage man at MMA State of Mind. Here with Mike Copenhaver. You can find him at Don't Cope Just Win on Twitter. Also follow the show on Twitter at MMA for Money Show. Mike, how are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm doing absolutely amazing, man.
0: Stoked to be here on the microphone with you to talk about some more UFC in our lives after dominating the uh, fights last weekend. I hope all you fans got to cash your little bets and uh, your tickets and had some fun with us because uh, it was a lot of fun.
1: Well, it's Wednesday, so you know what that means. The MMA for Money show is here. You can find us, this show, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Casts, RSS Feed. We are also on YouTube for both full-length shows as well as smaller tidbits to get your quick fix. Subscribe to never miss this show. Like, comment, share, spread the word, man. Give everyone else a little bit of view of what you're enjoying. Well, with that, we're going to go right into reviewing UFC. 249 we finally had fights back it was amazing gonna give some results we're gonna delve deeper into a few of them actually probably more than a few of them we're gonna skip over slightly ones that were a little bit lackluster but uh, starting off with the very first fight of the night that's right we're going all the way from the beginning of the prelims all the way to the main event Ryan span a huge favorite over Sam Alvey did the deed but it was via split decision and and it was probably closer than it should be. Mike, anything specific on this fight, or should we get to the more exciting ones?
0: Oh, man. I mean, Span did his job, and he won dominantly. I told you he'd win the fight. It was going to be pretty easy. He did almost have uh, Sam Alvey choked out with a standing um, arm in triangle, I believe it was, but it, it was super deep, and I, I don't know how Alvey didn't tap, but he was so close to going out. Uh, I think if Span would have... Uh, but had a little more veteran in him, he would have just applied more pressure and he could have uh, slept him, but it was it was decent.
1: Absolutely. Especially in the early goings. Uh, it actually was very exciting in the early goings and then became somewhat of a slog after, especially after Span gassed and it started looking a little bit too close for comfort there at the end. I bet a lot of people that had that as a parlay leg were definitely on their edge of their seats for the majority of that. But you know what? What completely blew this fight out of the water was the next one. We had a bet on this fight. I'm gonna tee this up. I'm gonna pass it to Mike, because I saw so many people, even if they picked this side, did not call the sheer dominance like Mike did. Our first bet on the fight, on the first on the whole night, was for Bryce Mitchell. He was a minus 155 favorite versus Charles Rosa, plus 135. He not only won, he not only won via unanimous decision. But the scorecards read 30-25 by two judges and 30-24 by a judge. Just utter, utter dominance. And that cashed our first play of the night to win one unit. Before I gush, I want to give it all to Mike to be able to gush because this was his main bet. And he called this better than anyone else I saw on Twitter, on podcasts, on anything. Mike, take it away nah oh, man it was
0: uh i don't mean i don't mean to sound like a dick but like did you guys hear what i said about the shit i told your ass that charles rosa's jujitsu is still not gonna have enough pace and the determination for the kid the hillbilly uh, bryce mitchell himself i mean if you watched that fight you were thoroughly entertained throughout the entire thing i mean it, it was literally like a chess game you know and jujitsu at times and you just watched bryce mitchell just always scrambling ahead like a little spider monkey uh, a lot like barrett yoshida the finisher uh one of the best ever to do it via san diego uh, hawaii my brother sensei um so i just it was awesome to watch this kid roll and do his thing he's still so young i mean it's amazing what he's gonna do and uh it's just awesome to see this kid doing it uh on the big show versus someone like charles rosa with a black
1: belt that was that was the, the shocking thing i i really thought that mitchell was going to have the strength to be able to nullify a lot of what russ would want to do on the ground and i thought positionally he'd be able to pin him up against the fence land more shots but just how dominant he was on the ground and not and almost using the setup for the twister submission to just progress into somewhere else and, and control the position um Mike, I want to ask you a little bit more specifically about some of the jiu-jitsu he was doing. I have been I have heard and as far as I could tell, positionally he was very dominant, had utter control, went for a few of the submissions, but in terms of like technique, progression, going from one to the next to the next to the next, how clean was it? I mean, considering that he was going up against a black belt and as far as I know, he's a uh, brown and I don't even know who under considering he's pretty much training by himself there in Arkansas.
0: Oh uh, well, I mean, in jujitsu, it gets kind of hard when uh, you look at the belt rankings. You, you know, you hear black belt. You're going to hear black belt, and then once it gets the black belt, then you really have to start looking at how they transition from each move to each move and their creativity, um, transitioning and stuff. So watching Bryce Mitchell transition from move to move versus someone who knows what they're doing is when you start seeing how high level. That's high level stuff. It's stuff um, you know that you're not going to see in uh, belt rankings you got to watch that stuff on tape you have to see those type of things uh just in person it's just insane to to see the guys that do those things because uh a lot of people don't transition the way that bryce mitchell was in some of these positions i mean charles rosa was doing an amazing job also defending a lot of these uh submissions and d- and chokes and Other things that he would have on another uh, lesser athlete would have pulled off uh, an escape or reversal and then maybe put that guy into a bad situation. But Bryce Mitchell just literally kept mentally dominant. Like I knew that he was over Charles Rosa. I said that if these two guys were in an alley, there's no way in hell Charles Rosa's getting out of there. And uh, he he didn't get out of there with uh, nothing but a 30-25.
1: And let's get the man some damn camo shorts. Shorts. Sorry, with that, moving on, Vincente Luque, who was a, f- a fairly hefty favorite. It was minus 290 versus Nico Price, plus 245 on that other side. This was a rematch that Luque uh, got a submission in the first go-round. The second time, he actually got a TKO with a doctor stoppage in the third round with an eye injury. Luke, Both of these men were are incredibly entertaining fighters. Luque is, I'm still a huge fan the only thing that's giving me hesitancy in the future for someone like Luque is, man, he gets hit a lot. I mean, he's entertaining. He can take it and he could sure dish it out. But with how much he gets hit and with the more and more shots he's going to be taking at some point, it's going to get stifled. Um, I love Matt Welterweight. This is a fantastic fight, but I guess his ceiling might be a little bit lower than I once anticipated. Mike, how do you feel about this fight? And I guess Luke a as a prospect going forward for Welterweight.
0: Well, you know we both love us some Luque, and this fight was super entertaining at times, but also very scary if you were a Vincente Luque fan and you put down the money line on that guy. Uh, It it was, uh, you know, it's amazing... But at Walter weight the world-class level, to me, he's lacking one thing, and that's uh, the world-class wrestling to get someone down on the ground to display their jiu-jitsu after they've been rocked or they've been hit, and he, he doesn't seem to have that to escape to, and I think that's going to be an Achilles heel to him, is that he can't fall back after getting hit striking to go to the jiu-jitsu if you can't get the guy down on the ground, and we see that with a lot of fighters when you get to the upper echelon, they don't have that world-class wrestling, and you're not going to get to the world-class level championship belt if you're going to um, lack it. And so I think he just lacks that a little even though I love him and uh, we'll see in the future.
1: After that well, we were going to have Uriah Hall versus uh, Jacare but Jacare being the lone fighter on the fight card to test positive for COVID. Um, he was actually one that was wearing a mask and gloves. So I guess kudos to him. He had come in contact with a family member who had tested positive, or maybe not just positive, but at least had it. So and he what do was you know? called off it. Uriah Hall did not get to fight, and actually, two of his corner man would eventually test positive. They were asymptomatic, but still, we'll see what happens but the next fight on the card was you know what another cash bet for us we had Carla Esparza she was a minus 155 favorite versus Michelle Waterson plus 135 we had Esparza by decision and you know what she won by split decision but that still cashed the twin one unit at minus 105 for us so that's another plus one unit for us giving us a perfect event of two and oh plus two units for you guys for absolutely free from doing absolutely nothing but just listening to our show so thank you for that I'm only going to briefly touch on this fight because for all you those who watched it wasn't the most exciting thing but so uh mike if you don't have anything specific to say about it we'll go ahead and move on do you have anything to say about this split decision with 37 30 27s going both ways (laughs) Uh, i was just a weird fight man it could have went either way and i just glad that we scraped by with
0: that w because uh we deserve it
1: next up was a rematch a rematch of two Former elite lightweights and one semi-elite welterweight, Anthony Pettis, the minus one thirty-five favorite, fought Donald Cowboy Cerrone, plus one fifteen. Both men desperately needed a win. This was a rematch of an earlier fight where Pettis destroyed Donald Cerrone with body shot in the first round in their first meeting at fifty-five years ago. This was a little bit closer. Uh, Donald had his moments, so did Pettis. Pettis came out with the unanimous decision. Uh, This. Could have gone either way. I know some people thought it was very clear for Pettis, but I mean, I wouldn't been upset if it went either way. I didn't bet on this fight, and man, both of these men are not what they once were. Uh, I actually had like I would not be utterly so upset if both would retire. That Domran, that is not me calling for them retiring, saying they don't have it anymore. But at this point. They're only going to face names or elite guys um, if they're just going to fade away to having to fight up-and-comers. That's, that's pretty rough. So they're both just that tier just below the elite, and they are probably fringe top 10, pushing even top 15. And Pettis has nothing to do with Welterweight. He shouldn't be there. Cowboy can kind of deal with welterweight with how big of a 55er he was but i don't know i almost went away from this fight a little bit sad i mean it was it was a good fight but um obviously these men aren't what they once were am i getting specific about anthony pettis versus donald cerrone what could have been a wec lightweight title fight back in the day
0: yeah, it was an entertaining bout. Uh, I enjoyed uh, pretty much every second of it. And uh, it was funny to watch Anthony Pettis' face after they read the scorecards that he won. I uh, I barely had a win in it, and uh, it's only because he had more power and seemed to hit Donald a little harder. But other than that, I think Donald did a great job with volume and coming forward. And uh, for coming off the loss to Anthony last time or that they fought, he did a great job trying to redeem himself. But he just fell a little bit short.
1: Yeah, I totally forgot to mention that good call. Yeah, he at The utter shock on his face when they called that, man, that, that, was, that was pretty hilarious. Um, one thing I was going to go with uh, when he had broken down this fight, but I eventually decided to nix it because I wasn't going to make the bet anyway. But Cerrone typically does really, really good in down the line rematches um, that's odd saying that but if you look at any of the rematches he had when there was years in between since he doesn't taper off nearly as much as other fighters do he usually can get his revenge later on but and this one was obviously much closer than the first one but yeah he didn't quite be able to wasn't quite able to pull it off next up everyone's favorite greg hardy fought Jorgen de castro was a plus 170 underdog there against greg hardy greg hardy got the he made a decision win uh, after DeCastro broke his foot in the first round and then decided to do nothing for the subsequent two. So Hardy got a nice little six-figure payment to fight a guy who didn't want to fight back <laughs> like anything on this fight.
0: Nah, it sucked that uh, Jorgen broke his foot, and I hope that was the only reason why he stopped going forward for the next two, but you got to give him the, the benefit of the doubt when he's a big old boy and your you know, race horse you know, hurts its leg, it's going to be hard to bear your weight on it. So I would suspect that was the reason, but I think he would have ended up winning it if if he could have kept up that round one.
1: Yeah, that was one that I was really close on paying just a little bit of underdog money thinking... Maybe you can get lucky with a knockout or you never know but I don't know Greg Hardy is a very interesting case because his, his defense has gotten so much better but it's almost like his offense has stayed stagnant like he hasn't his, there's no combination striking to speak of but he's really learned to move and I mean he's only been fighting for two years so I mean he, he can still improve quite a bit I don't, I'm not necessarily sure he's gonna be the uh, title contender that some of us thought he might be at some point but he could he can linger around that top 10. Consistently in the next few years, so I guess kudos for that, making a pretty penny while he does it. Next up was a incredibly unique heavyweight grapple fest with sloppy punches. Which I mean, you might as well thought I just said some kind of Bellator heavyweight fight, but no, this was Fabrizio Uverdoom coming back after you saw the suspension uh, just about two years. He was a minus three thirty favorite uh, over Alexi Olenek, the plus two seventy. Olenek actually got the split decision win, and was landing with his loopy punches and had some near sub attempts and man verdum just looked bad. He did not look in shape. He looked gassed. He went from developing quite an interesting and good striking game under Rafael Cadero to not knowing how to strike. I, the stark difference of um, how he was doing on his way up and then around his heavyweight reign to now is staggering and I, kudos to old man Olenek, the boa constrictor getting this win that is awesome <laughs> Like I got, I got no hate for it I didn't bet this fight at all, I actually thought if one of the big underdogs was going to burn out it was going to be for Doom given the USADA suspension and coming back this late but man that was awesome <laughs> Mike, how are you for this heavyweight fight where Olenek actually pulled this off split decision but pulled it off
0: yeah, well, I think I'll give you credit, Bob. I think you bl- picked Olinik to win this fight, and uh, I just didn't even think he had a chance. Verdum uh, looked disgusting. It was atrocious. I had sloppy. Olenek looked pretty amazing to me for being his age and coming forward every single time. Had better striking, had Verdum backed up against the fence, scared, wondering what he's going to do. Uh, it, it was pathetic from the OG veteran uh, we're doomed that we have come to love and so I it was just garbage bro you should have picked that up and thrown it away over in Chicago
1: uh, maybe next time I mean Verdum pretty much they're going to have to ask me to do it um, next up Jeremy Stevens got himself taken out man uh, he, I mean, he was an underdog he was coming in at plus 210 over Calvin Cater kind of the dark horse division at minus 250 Cater was coming off a recent loss I'm not going to try to pronounce the name right now. I need to read it to actually pronounce it right, but Marisha, Mer- what happened? Not nah, I'm going to try. Either way. Uh, he was winning towards the end of that fight. It was only a three-rounder. He needed five. He was actually able to do it in three this time and actually get a finish. He did start a little bit slow, as he tends to do. Um, tail end of the first, though, his boxing was really starting to connect. He hit an amazing elbow and then finished it up on the ground in the second round, actually getting the TKO uh, finish over Jeremy Stevens, and man, his boxing looked crisp man he uh, his combination striking is something to behold of i it, he is built for 5 round fights i can't wait till they push him to be in that main event spot again and fight these guys like i, I would i see him Easy top 10, if not top like seven or eight at the division right now. And once he fights some of these guys in five rounds, we'll actually see what he can be able to do in like the latter three to four. And I, I'm stoked for it. I mean, too bad for Jeremy Stevens. He did miss weight, missed by uh, about a little about four pounds, four and a half pounds. Came in at 150.5, I believe. And man, Cater, Cater pieced him up. Uh, Mike, how are you feeling about this fight and somewhat demise of Jeremy Stevens? This makes five losses in a row for Jeremy Stevens right now.
0: Oh uh, well, this was an amazing fight. I enjoyed literally every single second of it. Both these guys were throwing haymakers with every single fucking punch. It, it, it was so scary if you were one of them to be d- defending their punches because literally anything that landed seriously was going to have serious consequences. And it just so happened that Qatar uh, ended up being a little bit crisper and had. Uh, Just a little bit too much power and and just so damaging, man. I mean, we've both been high on him for a long time. We both thought that if he had five rounds versus a beat that he would have taken him out pretty thoroughly and easily. And so I love this kid. I think he's got a huge ceiling. He's definitely top five to me for sure right now. Um, I can't wait to watch uh, who they pair him up next with. And I I was actually surprised that he finished Jeremy Stevens. Jeremy Stevens is such an OG. He's got such a tough chin. He's fought so many fucking people and taken so much that I literally uh, thought that it was going to be a decision win for Qatar and it would have been pretty easy. Um, And uh, he just starched his
1: ass. And so it was an amazing fight. Next up, Francis Ngannou killed a guy. Uh, 20 seconds into the fight, Jairzinha Rosenstrike left consciousness. Uh, he was the plus 225 underdog coming off a last couple second win in a fight he was losing versus Alistair Overeem. Uh, Fra- Go ahead. I said he was going to die. No, nah, you did say he was gonna die. If anyone goes back to, our, we're, there's been a couple stitchbacks to our last episode, especially a little bit upcoming. Go back to our show, Mike. Mike definitely said that uh, Rosenstruck was gonna die, and he died. The ref was ho- literally holding up his lifeless corpse It was seriously, the fence.
0: it was seriously <laughs> crazy, bro. I, I, it, it, What they weren't even like crisp punches. They weren't. They did not matter if they landed perfectly. They just mattered if they landed somewhere. And dude, he's straight. He's straight hillbilly clubbed a man, dude. Well,
1: dude, Rosenstrike, he barked up the wrong tree. There Jeez. was so much pent up aggression and rage for Francis Nagano not being able to get a fight for the last, like, eight, nine months. He just unleashed it all in a 20 second spurt over, over that man's face. He's going to have nightmares for a long time. Oh, dude, I'm not even, Like, that was rough enough. I, this was a dude that had 60 kickboxing fights, looked great in MMA, and got utterly waylaid. I'm not sure he could step back into the cage again. If it was that bad. No, he's dead. In terms of this show, he's dead, and I'm not. I'm. I'm. This is how much we're taking this. If he ever fights again, we're gonna refer to him as the ghost of Rosenstrike, cause th- there's just, there's just no way around it. <laughs> there, there's no way around it. Like this, he was dead. The ghost it, of Christmas past, but it's <laughs> Rosenstrike. <laughs> oh, Christmas way past, man. Oh man, I, f- I feel so bad for him, cause it was. <laughs> He did technically. He did everything right as um, Ningano was coming in. He was still throwing his strikes as he backed up. He threw the kick, but Ningano, that combination of speed and power, I saw, dude. I can't get the image out of my head. Not of him landing the punches, not even him against nodding back against the cage. But like it's almost like the force of the punches were keeping him sitting up against the cage, and the ref literally holding him by the shoulder and the head. To keep him from, I don't know if it was teetering over or just, like, descending into the underworld. I I, I don't know. Have you
0: seen seen the viral uh, video of, like, the slapping
1: competitions where the guys slap each other so hard they get knocked out? I saw saw one today. It was was a snippet of a huge dude versus, like, a a tattooed scrawny dude with blonde hair or something. Supposedly that
0: scrawny dude was, like, a champion or something. But, he dude, that guy's soul left just like Rosenstrikes did.
1: Dude, I I don't know. I feel bad for Rosenstrike's family. So I mean, condolences, thoughts and prayers going out Rice to Rosenstrike's family. Um, so again, yeah, remember that. In the future, we will refer to him as the ghost of Rosenstrike if he ever comes back. We're taking away his last name because it's too cool of a last name for a guy that just got like demolished that bad. He's going to be the ghost of Jarzinho, and no one will remember what that is because no one knows him. And no one will know him because he's dead now. Um, <laughs> either way, uh, um should get a title fight off this, although the heavyweight division is kind of messed up with where Stipe is. I mean, kudos to him, and he is a first responder with where he lives uh, in like the Cleveland suburb area, and his gym is closed. He can't train. DC wants him to fight regardless. And UFC wants to fight him regar- fight regardless. I get all of those reasons, but he actually has a very good, multiple very good reasons for not fighting. Uh, DC has postponed retirement multiple times to try to get this fight. Ningano's just waiting in the wings, man, to fight fight somebody, fight anybody. And honestly, there's no one at heavyweight for him to fight of a fight that people want to see. Because I know there's probably someone on Twitter, at this moment of listening to this, once you hear the sound of my voice feverishly tweeting that he should fight Derek Lewis, no, we're just stopping that right now. I never want to see that again. No one wants to see it again. The next best person in the division is Blades, and he beat him twice. The first one was close. It was a doctor stoppage. And that, like, way early on, just the swelling by the eye called it. Second one, man, he hurt him bad, and he was out. So, I think I don't need a title shot. I I, I don't know. So they got to figure that out. I'm fine with it being interim. People are getting so angry with interim belts. Normally, I get angry with them, too, because it seems like whenever a fighter doesn't fight for four months, there's an interim. But if there's no date for Stipe to come back... Give him an interim title. I, I don't care at this point. If anything, heavyweight's been, like, one of the longer times since we've had an interim title. Just give it to him. Don't care. Um, f- or have him fight a big name. Like, Rumble wants to come back. Rumble said he weighs 238, I think, is what he just said. Uh, today, he posted. Have them fight. Go team. It's an amazing fight. Both of them would take that fight. Make it for an interim. I'm game. Let's do it. Mike, any follow-up talks about the Ghost of Jorginho or Frankie Murder or anything like that before we move on?
0: Nah, man. It's uh, said and done. Naganu Ngan- is the man, dude. He's got so much power. I, I want to see him fight uh, Stipe one more time.
1: Yeah, man. I I love me some Stipe. He's, he's my Midwest champ, but you know what? If uh, he fights... Uh, Francis Ngannou, again, I don't like his chances. Literally the only heavyweight I give a chance to beating Ngannou at this point is DC, just because I think he'll be a lot more relentless with takedowns, and he won't take those chances. But I don't know if we'll ever see that fight. In the co-main event of the fight night, of this pay-per-view, of us finally being back, of the first of three fight cards in the new mecca of fighting as i'm calling it jacksonville florida dominic cruz fought henry cejudo dominic cruz was a plus 190 underdog against the king of cringe all the monikers he wants to have for himself was a minus 230 finished him with knees and punches in the second round with seconds left where he was still conscious but i completely understand the stoppage mike where were you for the king of cringe
0: Oh, I loved it, dude. I mean, I called it pretty much to a T in the sense of that I, I know Dominic Cruz personally. I know for a fact he does not like to get hit. He is not tough. He does not want to fight in the streets. He definitely is a great athlete, great professional, great trainer, great all kinds of things. But the reason why Dominic Cruz developed so much foot movement was because he's scared of one thing, scared of fucking getting hit. And I've got a lot of shit from a lot of people for always saying it, but there's a, it's the goddamn truth. And uh, if I didn't have personal experiences with per- Dominic Cruz with his like, let's go back to this specific experience. When Dominic Cruz moved to Arizona and he came to Brandon Vera's house to San Diego to train uh, with my brother and everybody uh, undisputed. And then they broke off to Alliance MMA. He had he had some girlfriend who was some hood rat. She ended up trying to give me her number and saying that that I, I came to, to some to Hooters, the restaurant that she was working at to come see her. It's like, bitch, I come to, no one comes to Hooters to see nobody but other than fucking chicken wings, okay? And the fact is, is that when Dominic Cruz found out that that bitch gave me her number, he didn't do a goddamn thing to me, right? This big, bad pro fighter, had all this experience, didn't have shit. He's not tough. He's not going to do shit. So that's exactly what happens. That's why he developed foot movement, because he's not tough. So he ended up fighting a guy that's tough today, got his ass beat fought cody bar garbrandt and he got his ass beat go back to our podcast when i talked about it and i said cody garbrandt was gonna whoop his ass and today we're talking about sudo whooping that ass so i'm just gonna say stop giving
1: me shit about it it's the truth Dominic cruz ain't tough what were your thoughts on like the actual stoppage because the knee absolutely rocked him sent him down rocked him the punches didn't seem to be doing much. He was trying to get up. Obviously, they were unanswered. So why I'm totally okay with the stoppage, even though he was still conscious. So you could have kept it going, especially with them only being a couple seconds left in the round. Are you cool with the stoppage, or do you think it was a bit early? You
0: know, I, I think, wasn't it Jason Herzog off your memory who was the referee? Do you remember?
1: No, it was uh, Keith Peterson, the dude with all the uh, tattoos. Okay, so I'm getting confused with someone
0: else. So uh, the stoppage, though, to me was good in the sense of you're going to get damaged very, very badly coming up with followed-up shops, especially in that position. But, I mean, I, he's, he's starting to make excuses, you know? It, it's You got beat up. It just is what it is. He used to take he things very well, like he tried to take his losses last time, but this, this one, I guess he's just going to make the excuse that the ref shouldn't have stopped it, but... I I think he would have
1: got his ass beat. Give him another shot. Get your ass beat. Yeah, it was a little in- intense when he said that Keith Pearson smelled like cigarettes and alcohol, which is a very serious accusation to make towards a ref. But e- either way, so okay, so Cejudo so gets the finish. He defends Bantamweight. He's one of, if not the only fighter to have, be not be a two division champ, but actually defend it in both divisions. I uh, actually think DC was actually able to pull that up as well so two guys from the 2008 Olympic team there you go uh, but then afterwards hudo retires uh, there's been words beforehand that he wanted to get 2 million a fight this one he got 350,000 and he's calling for retirement he's going to get into real estate and just super adamant about the whole thing Says he's done with it, he's been doing this since he was 4 or 11 or whatever ages he threw out there I, I, I personally think it's going to stick just because he did the same thing with wrestling. Uh, once he got did all he wanted to do, he just backed out, even if some people might not say he has the credentials to call himself the best in his own mind. He is, and he's calling it, and he's saying he's retired. So I actually do think this is legit. Mike, what about you? Do you think this is a real retirement or one of the typical MMA ones where give him six months and he'll be back?
0: No, I believe 100% that when he says that he's retiring, that he's retiring. Uh, athletes like that, when they say certain things and certain words that I heard him say, he says he's tired. You know, he's tired of training. He's tired of waking up every day since he's 11 years old, working hard, and he deserves the, the, the fact to go retire. I think it's the smartest thing for his brand to do is to retire on top with all those gold belts and the gold medal. And, uh, you know, he deserves it. Uh, you can't blame and hate an athlete for ending it at the top. And I, I respect it, actually. And I'm stoked that he's going to just go over and do something else and uh, probably be very good at it.
1: i with you 100% on that one. Now, that was the co-main event. There was a title on the line, but that was the co-main event. In the main event of UFC 249, half of the fight we always wanted, the new fight we never knew we always wanted, an amazing Lightweight fight happened Tony Elkakui Ferguson Was a minus 180 favorite Versus Justin Gagey Was plus 158 We had no bet on this fight We were picking Tony Just because he's the crazy type of dude That his training camp's Going to be unchanged Given the fact that he's quarantined And he's just crazy enough To do just about anything And now you have Gagey Who won with a KO, TKO in round 5 But me saying that result Isn't saying exactly what happened He knocked him in the eye after the fact, coming out, that it was a broken orbital broken orbital bone, and you saw Ferguson shaking his head, shaking his head, which if you go back to any other fight that you've watched where a guy gets a broken orbital bone standing, that typically is the result that happens, and Herb stepped in and called it. So Justin Gage pulls off the win. Mike, what was your thought on this fight with Justin Gagey and just controlled chaos, as he would call it, throughout the whole fight?
0: Oh, man, I absolutely hated watching this fight uh it's i love tony ferguson and i just can't believe that i had to see him get his ass beat by justin Gathy before the he got his uh, chance at khabib and he's never gonna probably get his chance at khabib now and i mean i just i really wanted to see that dream fight for us all and uh, it just really shows me just how tough uh khabib uh, really is and how much he would have smashed tony and he's gonna probably smash gaethi and uh it's just it just sucked man to watch uh tony lose like that i guess i had an unrealistic view of his striking and now that i look back at it it was just clear as day
1: no no i don't know if you were so far off as just like this this gagey like the original gagey that came to ufc ferguson would have demolished man and gagey's last two fights them ending so fast i think kept us from seeing the actual progressions the dude has made he was crazy accurate. The exact numbers I don't have. I know the percentage, but I believe it was out of 192 strikes. I can't do that math that fast, but he landed 75% of his strikes. That is insane for Gagey who normally throws crazy wild. They they show some of the uh, exchanges where he... They're wrong. He's still getting hit, but he's dodging a good chunk of them and then just... I mean, and kudos to Tony's chin, man. Some of those shots would have knocked out just about every lightweight I can think of and really it was just the broken orbital orbital bone that caused Ferguson to get out of there more than anything because once that happened I think he was on like borrowed time I'm very I'm actually very happy with that stoppage to hopefully get some more fights out of Ferguson but honestly I think I actually do I like Gagey's chances better uh versus Khabib than I used to think (laughs) but I do still think and I've said this before I do think Gagey is a tailor made fight for McGregor because he's still a forward pressing pressure fighter. And McGregor has always been a counter striker. And he's going to land and he's going to land hard. And he's going to, I mean, if it goes deeper, Gagey's got it. But, man, I don't know. So uh, I guess. Is that the fight to make? Is it going to be just engaging Khabib, or are they going to push for engaging McGregor? I guess where do you where do you, where do you see both these guys next? Let's just say, forget about the broken orbital bone for Ferguson. Say that they both have a fight that they could have in three to four months. Where do you want to see each of them?
0: I mean, well, real MMA math, or uh, he, he deserves a championship fight versus Khabib. So that's what I want to see for Gaethje. But uh, money-wise, for the UFC, they want money. They're setting him up for McGregor to throw a left hook and sleep him because Gaethje doesn't see that well and his striking isn't that sharp. But it doesn't mean that he, obviously Gaethje can't win. But I, I think they're going to go after the money fight, like you just said, with Gaethje versus McGregor, uh, because Khabib will sleep them both.
1: Now, I would say, hey, we're jumping into the next fight card, but as we discussed on the last show, the next fight card is Wednesday night, and it's Wednesday. So you we wanted to give you guys the our bet for that fight card last week's show, so you had enough time to make sure you listened to the show, you would get the good number that we put out there, and you would get our bet. And for those of you that don't remember that, our bet for the UFC on ESPN plus 31 Smith first to share a card is a bet on Anthony Smith at minus 160. Uh, that's to win one unit. He's actually uh, minus 175 now. So if you would have followed us then, you got a good number. We went over... The five fights that there were odds for at the time, there are three fights we are actually going to quick go over now because they didn't have odds yet. And some of those are on the main card and they're interesting fights. So we have three fights we are going to go over. If you missed one of the ones on the main card and you say, hey, why aren't you talking about that? Go back to episode 35 of the MMA for Money show. Go back on your podcast feed or wherever you want to, or you can go look for the individual breakdowns that will be on our YouTube to see the ones you missed. But you know what? We're just going to talk about those three before we move on to then the Saturday's card, Overeem versus Harris. So the first of those three fights we're going to talk about that we didn't get to talk about last time is one, Michael Johnson is a minus 105 favorite versus Tiago Moises, who is minus 105. We're in some quick picks or full breakdowns depending on the one. I'm just doing a quick pick of Michael Johnson. I think he has just enough left in the tank. He still has fast enough hands to put hands on uh, Tiago Moises here. Uh, confident in it? No. Definitely not a bet on it, but that's where I'm going with it. Mike, do you have anything specific for Michael Johnson versus Tiago Moises? I'm
0: uh, not enough on it to take get a good feel on it, but I, I just, I'd have to go with the veteran Michael Johnson.
1: Yeah, uh, some of these ones we're not obviously going to be super confident on. These are just quick picks for you guys to give you a little more interest. If it gives you a way to lean of where you were already going. Uh, Next, Drew Dober is a minus 110 favorite versus Alex Hernandez, plus 100. Yes, the guy that went real bad on Cowboy and then got shown be lacking um i know mike is on a very particular side here and i'm gonna pretty much echo everything he's gonna say so i'm gonna throw it to him so he can give you his breakdown and just imagine to times that by two for me
0: well this is a gift and you guys need to bet it drew dober is gonna beat the fucking shit out of alex hernandez it won't be close it won't be a fight there will be a lot of fright and it'll be all right because it will be the end of his night alex hernandez will not be making it very long it's he's going to get absolutely battered and bruised and smashed drew dober has developed a serious mixed martial arts game he's super underrated he's a little baby dark horse he's literally super super talented whether it comes to his jiu-jitsu now and his his striking his boxing is, is sharpened up I mean, the guy is in the gym every single day, all day long, working harder than most people. He doesn't do drugs. He doesn't uh, drink excess alcohol. Um, I mean, this this kid, this man, Drew Dober, is gonna beat the shit out of Alex Hernandez. And if this would have came out prior to the last podcast, I would have put this out as my bet for sure. But I'll give it out again that I'm gonna bet. We're gonna bet Drew Dober um, versus Alex on this fight.
1: Again, we're sorry that these odds weren't out when we recorded last time to give you guys enough time, so we will not count these ones towards the official record for the show, although I very much am with Mike here and I'm going to be betting on this fight. I think Drew Dober is going to absolutely... Pummel Alex Hernandez. I don't think it's going to be close. I am utterly shocked that it's minus 110. I would have thought he would be in that like minus 170 or higher range. So we are betting this fight, but no, we won't count it towards the record because that's only fair since. A lot of you guys might not even be listening to this before the event takes place. So uh, the final fight uh, from the Smith for Share card that we are going to cover, since we covered all the other ones, is Ray Borg, who is plus 155 versus Ricky Simon, or Simone, uh, minus 165. I, There's that bantamweight. Borg already weighed in. He did make weight. Um, I actually really do like Borg here. I will likely have a bet on it. He... He's just such a good positional grappler. He's great in the scrambles, and he finds the back. And you want to know who loves giving their back is Ricky Simon. Ricky Simon's coming off a utter shameful loss to Uriah Faber. And honestly has been fading ever since a slight surge and i think this is tailor-made for borg to look good i think it's either gonna be a clear decision or possibly a late submission this would be a lower bet i'm actually i'm gonna go a lot i'm gonna go bigger on dober dober for me is probably likely going to be to win two units whereas borg is going to be one unit here on this dog money mike how you feeling about ray borg versus ricky simon the new mullet
0: well you know we love ray borg and we uh certainly love his little kid that he fights for each and every day so i actually really really like him in this position as a fighter as well not only as a person but as a fighter and i think that his transitions and his technical abilities and his determination is what i really really would bet on so i i would be betting on him myself um, as well as just personally, I just uh, would want to be doing it for to make one unit. and it's uh, he's just he's got way more experience. He just he's gonna be just way too much for this kid, uh, Ricky Simone. Ricky Simone has uh, got a lot of holes and they're gonna be exposed, especially versus these world class guys and uh, Ray Borg was world class. He just had a, a lot of problems making weight and some of those problems could be the fact that he has to take care of his kid and it's a little bit uh, extra special needs.
1: Now that's it for us for Smith and Teixeira. Yes, I know, we didn't cover all the fights Oh wait, we did, again, reminder If you haven't listened to it and you want quick takes Go back and listen to Episode 35, this being episode 36 So it is last week's show But I will re-remind you What our bet was for this fight card Obviously we would have had more If some of these more lines were out But at the time, we have Anthony Smith, Lionheart Smith At 160 to win one unit And that's over the long time Late heavyweight Glover Teixeira Moving on to this weekend's fight card, this Saturday's fight card. I gotta get more specific considering we're having more than one fight card a week. This is UFC on ESPN 8 Overeem vs. Okay, we are going to start a little bit early on the card, but not as in-depth as we did to 249. We are going to not go to the first fight in the prelims, but we are going to fight in the prelims. This is one we like a lot. We have Kevin Holland. He is currently a minus 105 favorite versus Anthony Hernandez, who is a minus 115. Well, actually, he's the favorite Um I love Kevin Holland here. Mike um, does too. We've talked about this beforehand, and this is actually going to be a bet for us on the card. We were a little more bullish on this one. Uh, Kevin Holland, he is currently minus 105 versus Anthony Hernandez. They're at the minus 115 loving kevin holland here in a major way i'm going to say how much we are betting on him and where we're at with him i'm going to pass it to mike because he's a little more eloquent on kevin holland's skills uh we are going to bet that to win two units he is at currently at minus 105 that's to win two units mike please wax poetic on the amazing ground game that kevin holland has
0: Man, I mean, Kevin Holland's ground game is serious. Is some serious, serious level shit. It's just if this kid wants to put his shit together and pull his shit together and be the world class athlete that I know that he could be, that he should be. You know, he he reminds me a lot like my brother, a little bit like John Jones. Um, he's got so much potential and so much upside. It's like he almost scares himself and he doesn't want to go train and train as hard as he should because he's a fucking animal, dude. And when he displays the world-class jujitsu jitsu that he has on the ground, er- er- people are going to start talking about him. And I think this might be the situation here. And I, I really believe that he has every ability to just – batter and beat the hell out of this kid, uh, Hernandez. And I, I think that he is not only going to batter him, but he's actually going to get him down on the ground and end up submitting him in uh, a rear naked choke or s- some really impressive uh, submission. He has everything, all the abilities, and he can do it. It's just if the fucking kid wants to go there and kill them that night. You've seen him showcase ability. It's just the only time he does he. You've seen him do something bad is when he's just like lollygagging around, kind of like, uh, you know, thinking he's won the fight, which he he was. But he needs to be doing hundred ten percent. We've never seen hundred ten percent. I really believe this is the first time that we might see hundred and ten percent from him, and that's why we're going to be putting down
1: uh, the bet on him next up matt brown is back he is fighting mcgill beza who is minus 200 favorite versus matt brown plus 170 <sighs> sorry for the loud exhale it's rough watching your fighters favorite fighters or some of your favorite fighters your favorite action fighters get old and not look the way they were and start to fight up-and-comers and they just don't have it anymore um this is a sad 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 fight i do not think brown's gonna win i'm gonna pick beza but i'm not gonna probably break it down any further because then i'm gonna get sad and i have one goal on this show and it's to not cr- uh, cry on the podcast so i'm gonna pass to mike mike you have a little more specific on how you think this fight is gonna go but uh like i said i'm picking beza not going too much further into it what about you mike I don't know why Matt Brown's doing
0: this, and I'm not happy about the fact that he's going to go in there and fight this little savage Beza. Bezos a, a, you know, doesn't have near the experience that a Matt Brown has, but the fucking kid has a ton, a ton of power and strength and athletic ability, and he's just younger than Matt Brown, man. His fast-twitch muscles are just way faster. Everything in his mind is clicking faster, and he hasn't had the CTE that Matt Brown's endured. I just think Bezos is going to beat the fuck out of him, and I just don't want to see it, So, but we'll see. Hopefully, I'm wrong.
1: Yeah, this would be one of those times where if an underdog came through, we would be okay with, one, because we're not betting on it, and two... I mean, if you've been a fan for any length of time, for longer than, say, four or five years, you're a big Matt Brown fan. So here's hoping he pulls it off, but not thinking that happens. Mm-hmm. Next up, Song Yedong is minus 200 favorite versus Marlon Chito Vera plus 170. I have been a longtime fan of Marlon Chito Vera. I think his game has come along tremendously. But with that being said, I, I think he's going to lose to Song Yedong. I don't think he can handle uh, Song I don't, he's just I don't know, it's just it's just the matchup, I don't think it's a good matchup for him, I don't think he's going to be able to establish his game plan, I think uh, uh, Song is going to have better combination striking, and I actually at some points think he's going to get him down or at very least pin him up against the fence, like I said, I love Marlon Chidovera I don't have a bet on this fight, but I do not think he is going to win this one so the pick for me is Song Yadong, Mike where are you, Yadong Vera? I'm with Yadong. I think Yadong is too, too
0: young and too strong, and he's going to just uh, have too much power for Marlon Chito Vera. Marlon Chito Vera is a great, amazing athlete. He When he uses his game plan, it works out well, but he's got really, really skinny little lead legs, and I believe that Song and Dong's going to be able to kick those scrawny little legs of Marlon Chito Vera, his front legs out, and do some major damage uh, on those lead legs, and it's going to be able to make Marlon... Vera's game plan just go out the window and he's just going to get TKO battered by a song you don't.
1: Christoph Jotko, the one-time 85 prospect who has had a rough go of it, is now fighting Eric Anders. Uh, Jotko is a minus 160 favorite over Eric Anders at plus 140. Eric Anders is back at middleweight where he should have always been. Uh, speed and athleticism and I guess even power wise, I go Anders. Skill-wise, Jocko has probably got it. I'm picking Anders here, but I wouldn't be surprised because he kind of is a finish or bust kind of fighter, so I wouldn't be shocked if he gets the finish. And if I had to bet, I would lean that way. This is definitely a... If you're going to bet on this one, you got to go with the dog. Uh, I'm not betting on this one, but uh, pick is Eric Anders here. Mike, where are you for the former collegiate football star versus Christoph Jocko?
0: Man, this is a weird one. Um... Christoph Jocko I've been high for a long time and he's just one of those guys that uh, he just seems to disappoint me a lot of the time and so I, I just I don't know man I feel like that Christoph Jocko is the mixed martial art is superiorly is the superior mixed martial artist he should have everything for Anders but what he doesn't have is a chin, and if Anders comes forward with enough power and backs him up aggressively, that that could end up end the whole fight and everything. So he could be winning for three rounds and then get clocked by Anders, or two rounds to get clocked by Anders and and lose. So I don't feel confident in picking either of these guys, and I just uh, it's gonna be a weird one.
1: That's a really good uh, depiction of it. Uh, This is going to be a weird one. And you guys might not know it going into it. If you don't know these two fighters, this is going to be an odd-looking fight. It's going to be. Unless it's a quick finish in the early goings of the first round, there's going to be large stretches of Anders not doing a lot, random explosions from Eric Anders, Jatko, it all depends. If Jocko remembers that he has a jab, it might be rounds and rounds of him throwing a jab out. Because sometimes he forgets that he has a jab, and then he just doesn't do it. And then he gets hit, and then he gets finished, or almost finished. Like Mike's right. It's going to be a weird fight. Next up is a weird fight, but in a different way. Edson Barboza, the long, long time lightweight, elite lightweight, elite finisher lightweight, is here at Featherweight First Featherweight debut He's minus 130 for Stan Ige, kind of a surging uh, featherweight prospect at plus 110. Edson Barbosa is going to hurt this dude. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. He, If he can make the weight, which he should be able to, the fight's in Florida. He's now training in Florida. No, he's no longer uh, training in the other spots. He's down there at ATT so it should be a short trip. He should, everything should be on point. He doesn't have to fly. He doesn't have to do all that stuff. So if he's going to make weight at any point, it's going to be for this. Um, if he even looks remotely good on the scale, I'm much more confident, but I think he's going to make the weight. And this is such a drop in competition for Bosa. And this is such a leap in competition for Ige. The, there has to be the point of the featherweight drop is the reason for this price. I, I don't get it. I think Barbosa should. I, I have underrated Ige in the past. Um, me and Mike were talking about this beforehand while I was going over this with him. But, I man, I just think Barbosa is going to smash here. I think he's absolutely going to smash. And uh, I have a, we have a bet for Edson Barbosa. He's currently minus 130. That's to win one unit. So that's 1.3 units to win one. Edson Barbosa, give us another highlight finish, baby, and uh, give us some money. <laughs> Mike, where are you at for Barbosa's featherweight debut? Well,
0: you know, Edison Barbosa has been known for the the most vicious leg kicks ever. And, uh, you know, he's world-class and in everything that he does. He's trained with Frankie Edgar, who's got that world-class wrestling, who he's learned and uh, absorbed and uh, adapted with. And I, I just don't see where Ige is going to have the advantage over uh, Barbosa. Barbosa should win this fight and be able to batter Ige and win this fight easily. And if he doesn't, it's only because he didn't want to. And that was clearly on him but I don't see Barbosa doing that. He's came in there to fight every single time he's ever came to fight, and he's coming there, and he's going to do some damage. So I expect Barbosa to to go in there and throw some vicious leg kicks, be just as aggressive, and be able to end the night of this kid because uh, Ige's good, but he's not world-class good. And uh, I hate to say that, but Barbosa's done his time. He's put in his work, and he's going to come in there and finish him. That's why we're going to bet this money to win that one unit.
1: In the co-main event, we have a former... Title challenger, multi time title challenger, Claudia Gadea is minus 25 versus Angela Hill uh, at plus 160, UFC's straw weight ladies' workhorse who's just fitting in as many fights as she possibly can, likely still going to win the majority of them. Quick pick, I got to go with Gadea just because Hill has gotten a lot better. She absolutely has. But at least for two of those three rounds, Gadea is still going to put her on her butt or pin her up against the cage, do some dirty boxing, and just control. Uh, She has more power. There's going to be more pitter-patter from Hill. She has actually gotten better at her lateral movement. But I got to go with Gadea here. Uh, The price is obviously keeping me away because I do think Gadea is a little bit spent and not as good as she once was. I would be pleasantly surprised if Hill got the win here. But no bet in any capacity, Mike. Where are you for this co ladies co-main event of the Overeem vs. Harris card?
0: You know, man, I, I I've been going back and forth with this one, and I, I really I, I'm gonna go with Angela Hill on this one, and I think it's a perfect setup for everyone to get fucked on a parlay buster or put it in Godella for uh, to win, you know, because she should she should kind of win, you know, but why though, you know, like why? Cause she wrestles good? Not really. I mean, she strikes good? Not really. I mean, I think we kind of got fooled. So I think that Hill's got better striking, that she's got more determination, and that she's developed pretty good takedown defense. And so I think that Hill's going to win here, so I'm going to go with her.
1: Man, I hope you're right, because at some point with the much work she's putting in, Hill is kind of, it's her it's her due. She, I would I would love if she went um, in the main event. Walt Harris. It's minus 160 versus Alistair Overeem at the plus 140. This is Walt Harris's first fight back since the, I guess, kidnapping and then ultimately murder of his stepdaughter. So uh, 100% unsure where his head is at and obviously everything else going on. Um, Alistair Overeem is coming off the loss to Rosenstrike, where in a fight that he was winning the entire fight, basically, and then got destroyed in the final seconds which was rough i'm not gonna do the breakdown on this fight i'm gonna give it to mike because this is going to be a bet for the podcast and i am backing this bet but mike is the one that brought this bet forward so it's only right that mike breaks it down mike where are you for the main event of this event harris versus Overeem? well i'm on that walt harris train and i'm gonna be on that train for
0: until he proves me wrong I think that he's going to debatter uh, Overeem. I don't think Overeem has any chin left. He's always scared to get hit. He's always moving awkwardly backwards. And, uh, you know, when you're moving like that and being a little girl, you're, you're going to end up getting clipped and you're going to end up getting knocked out, especially in this upper echelon. And I, I really believe that Walt Harris is, is pissed off that his daughter died. He's fucking furious. And uh, he's going to unleash a uh, big old Godzilla on this fool. And uh, Overeem's going to literally end up just like Godzilla. Garzino Rosenstruck did last weekend and end up sleeping.
1: So as a quick review, again, obviously, second, everything Mike said about Walt Harris, he convinced me. I was on the fence with this one, but you know what? He's absolutely right with where Harris is at and Overeem's chin and all of that. So to review the bets for all of you, Although we mentioned on the last podcast, and we mentioned it earlier, we'll mention it again for the Smith Teixeira. It's Anthony Smith to win one unit 160. That's for that event. And we actually have, if you notice and listened, we have three bets on the Overeem versus Harris card. The first one being Kevin Holland minus 105 to win two units. That's our first bet. Our second bet is Edson Barboza minus 130 to win one unit. And then finally... In a main event bet, we have Walt Harris minus 160 to win one unit. Now, that is three bets going on. Um, we will be back next week. But don't forget to subscribe to us on your platform of choice, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket RSS Feed. Remember to subscribe to us on YouTube for both full-length shows as well as smaller tidbits of the show. Like, comment, and share to spread the word. And with that, let's roll.